this week on Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. It's WrestleMania week, and as we head to the Big Apple, we will get you set for the big shows by looking ahead to NXT TakeOver, G1 Supercard, and WrestleMania. And we will get your thoughts on what you are most looking forward to this week. We will also bring you part two of our interview with Hollywood producer Mark Blutman, who talks about the build to WrestleMania and the booking of his friend Samoa Joe. We will also take stock of many wrestling stars throughout all promotions, whose stock has gone up since last WrestleMania, and whose has gone down. Plus, in a special closing out the show, we will discuss the segment on WWE from last week tonight with John Oliver. We are on the road to WrestleMania with one last stop for Two-Faced Wrestling Talk next. WrestlingInc.com brings you Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on NJPW, AEW, ROH, PWG, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. I'm joined, as I am every week, by my co-host, Paul. I am with you, and uh, apparently you're going to let me out of the studio, and I'm going to get to go to WrestleMania, too? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I guess if you could call this a studio. Yeah, well, our set. Let's put it that way. As uh, Colt Cabana sa- says, I'm coming to you live from my studio apartment. <laughs> <laughs> he always says that on his podcast. Well, uh, big week. Coming up, and a uh, big week for us throughout social media as well, as we're going to be uh, keeping you up to date on the things going on in the Big Apple. So tell everybody how to find us. You can find us at Two Face Pod on Twitter, T W O F A C E D P O D. And you can find me on Twitter. I've been releasing some quite heated polls. Uh, pitting NXT TakeOver against G1 Supercard on my Twitter at SuperKickingIt, S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T. You can check out the polls there. And make sure you especially check out our uh, Twitter, at TwoFacePod, as you mentioned, because we're going to deliver spare change segments after all of the shows we go to in New York. We're definitely doing Rev Pro. We're doing uh, WrestleCon, which will have already aired, but you can still check out our review of that. Um we're debating NXT TakeOver, although the price is a little expensive. We'll we'll see if uh, if we change our mind on that because we really want to go. We are so <laughs> tempted. It's hard to pass up because I could see Riddle. <laughs> I love Matt Riddle. Come on, bro. Let's but, go. But for sure, after G1 Supercard, uh, and we will be doing a live podcast after G1 Supercard. And, of course, after WrestleMania, we'll give you our thoughts on the big extravaganza and uh, on Super Kicking It. This week, you did an either-or pitting G1 Supercard versus NXT TakeOver. Yeah, and that's the polls I was referring to in my live video, either-or. It's not like which one is better, but it's like you have to pick one or the other. As you said a few weeks ago, you have to kick one off the island, essentially. (laughs) you got to pick a favorite between the two. And my premise for the picking between them was, which one am I really most excited for? So I put out a whole bunch of polls pitting NXT TakeOver matches against G1 Supercard matches. The results were interesting. And where you could find the show is on my Twitter and on my YouTube and on my Periscope. Twitter and Periscope at SuperKickingIt, like I spelled out earlier. And the YouTube channel is SuperKickingIt with Kelsey, K-E-L-S-I. And we want to thank our good friends at MyBookie.ag. Remember to use the promo code KICKIT. Uh, Our good friend Raphael just gave us a bunch of odds for WrestleMania. 
Uh, we may read a couple of those when we do our WrestleMania look ahead in a minute. But uh, if you want to bet on the show, use the promo code KICKIT and you can help us out. And, of course, we also want to thank our good friends from St. Arnold and their delicious art car. That's a loud gulp. Yeah, Jeez. refreshing. <laughs> I guess. It's well overdue. But... <laughs> Enough of the plugs. Let's get to uh, the headlines. It's time to give our opinions on the latest wrestling shows, news, and developments. It's time for headlines. And we're going to start with G1 Supercard, which is the show we're attending on Saturday. Can't wait to be at MSG. But there was a Road 2 show on Sunday that Ring of Honor put on. And there were a couple of developments that affected G1 Supercard. Bully Ray was, of course, bullying people, and Juice Robinson came out. Yeah, a lot of people had speculated that they would love to see Suzuki versus Bully Ray at MSG. I believe I speculated on that last week. Yes, well, everyone (laughs) speculated on it. But you you were saying you you were hoping it was Suzuki or Ishii that comes out and faces Bully instead of Flip, because Flip is sidelined with an injury. Right. However, it's been announced on this show that it was Juice. I'm excited. I think it could still be good. And... As my friend Zach pointed out, and I agree with him, they could be setting up a Bully Ray Suzuki match for a future War of the Worlds show, that which that's coming up not that far away as well. Yeah, that would be great. And and look, Juice had to be on the show. I mean, he's the U.S. champ. He couldn't just be in that battle royal. So it makes sense that he is in this, and uh, obviously we're excited about that. We were excited. We had a long discussion about Juice last week, and. Uh, we will get to see him go against Bully Ray, but we'll see what uh, happens with Suzuki. And this is not the last time we're going to mention Suzuki. We'll be talking about him when we uh, do our stock report a little later in the show. Now, also on that Road to show, we got a big surprise that eventually got turned around. But Shane Taylor hits a low blow off the distraction by Matt Taven and gets the the pin on marty squirrel taylor's music hits he's celebrating we're like oh my god really and in the back of my mind i'm like all right well somehow they're gonna overturn this because there's no way marty squirrel's not gonna be in it but for that brief moment it was like wow shane taylor (laughs) they had fooled me i really bought into it i was like oh my god how are they changing this how could this be (laughs) so really well done i think and interesting because they were playing up the whole ref involvement and refs being more empowered by ring of honor mm-hmm. and the people higher up there and so they use that story to reverse the decision yeah and uh i love the enrique like his biggest concern was well we're gonna have to change the video graphics and and the promotion and all that the video packages <laughs> yeah that was great so uh the only other significant really match was uh pco and brody king going against the briscoes I can't believe the Briscoes didn't win. Yeah, it was a weird match because even Colt said it doesn't really matter who wins because it's winner take all at G1 Supercard. Yeah. So these guys should both save themselves, but they're all crazy and they're not going to save themselves. No. Well, PCO and Brody ended up winning. So let's look at G1 Supercard, and uh, we're not going to go through every match, obviously, but uh, give me a couple you're really looking forward to. Number one, Osprey versus Cobb. We saw little highlights of it before and now we're going to see the full-fledged thing i can't wait i know it's going to be it could be a show stealer i'm thinking it will be uh i'm looking forward to uh the four-way tag match evil and sonata god villain villain enterprises and the briscoes uh 
all the belt or both the belts are on the line. So uh, I think that's going to be phenomenal because obviously these are four extraordinary tag teams. I'm really looking forward to that one too. But I got to say, I would be looking forward to it a little more had it only been God versus the Briscoes or God versus Briscoes versus PCO and King. I feel like it's just kind of crowded right now it is and it's going to be uh chaotic but i think it's going to be a lot of fun i definitely think it will be fun <laughs> i'm just saying my excitement isn't as high as it was but i know it'll still be great and i'm still ma- basically excited yeah i mean look i like evil and sonata love god love the briscoes and of course we've fallen in love with pco and brody king since they've come aboard at ring of honor and joined villain enterprises uh, what about Naito versus Ibushi? We saw a taste of this at uh, New Japan Cup, and we were kind of like, all right, well, this match wasn't as good as we thought it would was. Well, they're saving themselves for G1 Supercard, and that may be extraordinary. It could be, because, you know, we all thought that was going to be the match of New Japan Cup. However, it was good. It just wasn't in my top five when I finally determined which matches were my favorite of the tournament. Now, this second meeting, I think, like you said, could be something very, very special. And can't wait to see what they're going to do because they're going to obviously want to try to steal the show. And then, of course, you've got your two championship matches, Lethal versus Taven versus Girl in our ROH World Championship ladder match. That's going to be awesome. Can't Jay, wait. Jay, Lots of story behind that. Yeah, and Jay Lethal getting his just due. He's from Elizabeth, New Jersey, so it's kind of a homecoming, too. I'm sure it was a dream of his coming from New Jersey, getting to perform at MSG, so that's going to be awesome for him. Uh, what about Jay White and Okada? We talked a lot about that last week, but uh, it's going to be really good, isn't it? So if Jay White wins, this will be the third time he's beaten Okada. Mm-hmm. In the not-so-distant past. So that would be extreme. That's why I think that there's going to be something weird if Jay White does win. I said last week, I speculated that El Phantasmo could be the guy who comes in and interrupts things. That could be the perfect way to have White retain. Other people are thinking that Okada is going to win and kind of complete his journey bouncing back from his ultimate loss the first time and the betrayal of Gato and all that. You could argue that, but I just don't think that they're going to have the title the title change hands there. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, if they did, it would be a huge pop. It'd be huge. Oh, yeah. yeah I would. just don't know if they're going to have the belt taken off of Jay White so soon. I am so looking forward to being at MSG. I can't, can't tell you how excited I am to see a wrestling show at MSG. I will say, just for the heck of it, I looked at StubHub and saw if tickets were going for high rates or or not, or if they'd come down. They've definitely come down. I felt much better that the seats that we paid for are still at the same price or more than what we paid. So, uh, But, again, we talked about it weeks ago. when Some people are a little less excited because the Young Bucks and Omega aren't going to be in it, but... I think it's still going to be an extraordinary show. Ring of Honor has always bounced back after people leaving. And if you're a true Ring of Honor fan, you're sticking with the promotion to see what they're going to do. And I've liked what I've seen so far. They've been building up stars who didn't really get a chance to shine when they were super focused on the Bullet Club, super focused on Bucks specifically and company. So now other people get the chance to take the spotlight. And I like that, and that's what Ring of Honor does the best. They let wrestlers wrestle, and they have... You know, realistic promos and great stories. To me, I don't know. I think it's a recipe for success. Well, uh, we're looking forward to it, and we asked our listeners what they were looking forward to, and we're going to read some of their responses. 
Uh, at Don't Brass Out is looking forward to Okada and Jay White. While at Black underscore Baymax 8, wished it was Suzuki against Bully, but this show could be a damn good show. At The Real Forno, Kazanine hitting when Bully Ray calls out for his open challenge. I guess he's saying he, he has some wishful thinking yeah. there, wishing that Suzuki will answer Bully Ray's challenge. I don't know. I think that's less and less likely as we talked about. But, but it's a common theme here in these answers. But like you said, maybe at the end of the match, maybe Suzuki confronts Bully Ray and sets something up down the down the way, which would be awesome. And, that would be and awesome. I, I did I did want to hit on this. Uh, I mentioned it while we were watching that Road to G1 Supercard. Bully Ray, I think, has been really awesome. The heel work, which he's great at, has been awesome. He's played the role of the bully. But not to be overlooked is he's done a great job of putting some people over. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what an older performer is supposed to do. He's really been a great foil for the baby faces of Ring of Honor, a great opposition for them to work against. And... Really, he's lost to them a lot of times. Mm -hmm. He's not gone over them, which is the way it's supposed to be. WWE should take note because they don't do that. I'm not just talking about Kurt Angle. I'm talking about, in a lot of instances, they'll put over their Attitude Era stars and their Ruthless Aggression Era stars over their current roster to where the current roster looks weakened all the time. I like how Ring of Honor is not doing that. They're using Bully to build these new guys, to give these new guys some credibility, and to give these guys a really interesting feud. And I think that's awesome. Let's uh, go to some more answers. At Ring of Tyler is looking forward to Osprey versus Cobb and says if Suzuki and Bully Ray have a New York street fight, he'd be so excited. Uh, at that wrestling pod, I don't follow New Japan all that closely and haven't watched much ROH in quite a while, so I'm looking forward to a, the show. I don't know much about and experiencing something new for the first time. So that's kind of a, a cool perspective that somebody who's kind of not watched for a while is still looking forward to uh, seeing what transpires. That just shows you how important this show is for Ring of Honor, and fans are taking notice, even fans who haven't watched in a while, like you said. Then our next one comes from at Jodocast underscore O2. He's looking forward to the Battle Royal, the Honor Rumble. At Bren123Luke is looking forward to Tanahashi versus Zack Sabre Jr. and seeing the Rainmaker. At BlackmanRobin7 is also looking forward to seeing the Rainmaker. At STR909, at Tranquilo992, and at KBell2448 are looking forward to Naito versus Ibushi. Yeah, we didn't mention Zack Sabre Jr. versus Tanahashi. That, of course, is for the British title and uh, could be a interesting ground-based ma uh, match for sure. Uh, next one, uh, at Psycho Najiri, I'm looking forward to the crazy tag match and the juniors match, which we did not mention. Ishimori versus Dragon Lee versus Bandito. Bandito has looked awesome uh, scooping up Jeff Cobb or catching him in midair in that Road 2 show and suplexing him was our power bombing him was unbelievable. Bandito is really becoming a quick star in Ring of Honor. Uh at Scrawny Jiba 17 is also looking forward to the four-way tag title match. At Michael Minor 26 agrees and says he can't wait to see the four-way tag match. And at Slate underscore S42 is looking forward to Osprey versus Cobb. At the Reckless underscore Fox is looking forward to seeing the British Spider-Man. Of course, he means Osprey. <laughs> I hadn't heard that nickname. I like that, though. Because he has Spider-Man gear and oh. stuff. 
Also, he's agile, like Spider-Man. So both work. Both references (laughs) and reasons work. At the Elite Era, can't wait for Marty Skrull's entrance. At the Greek Olive 24, is looking forward to seeing Jay White. And at Very Hostile 17, is looking forward to meeting L.I.J. at Festival of Honor. Yeah, hearing Marty Skrull's entrance at Madison Square Garden with everybody doing the whoop whoop, even though that's not my favorite thing in the world, is going to be pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be loud and it's going to be fun. Our good friend at Dave Pozeski said, I'm most excited for the Lethal versus Scroll versus Taven match. I really think that's going to be fantastic with a good story, which we've talked about. The Taven Lethal storyline has been fantastic. And finally, at Tweet Free TV says the 80s uh, TV show from the UK, Black Adder. I'm excited as a terribly excited person who has a really good reason for being terribly excited. I'm in awe of the fact that Mayu Iwatami is on the show. I really enjoyed her in Stardom. I think this is such a huge step up for stardom. Of course, she going against Kelly Klein once again. Well, next up on uh, on our list of things to get to is NXT TakeOver. You mentioned it at the beginning of the show, so we might as well start with that. Bro? Yeah, North American <laughs> yeah. Championship match, Matt Riddle versus Velveteen Dream. I would just mark out if it was Matt Riddle. But then I'd be mad if we didn't go and it was Matt Riddle. I'd be like, I missed it. So I don't know how to feel. If we go and he wins, that'd be phenomenal. (laughs) Uh, I'm most looking forward to the War Raiders versus Ricochet and Aleister Black. I think everything Ricochet and Aleister Black have done recently has been awesome. I was kind of hoping on Raw that they'd win the title and it'd be an NXT title versus a a Raw tag team title match at NXT TakeOver. That would have been a different twist, but either way, I think that's going to be a great match. Of course, the women are in a fatal four-way match, and of course, we've got Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano in the championship match. Your thoughts on that? I think it's a great step up for Cole. It could be a big deal for him. I could see him winning, really, which would be huge. I just think Cole needs some momentum because, yeah, he's he's been a big part of NXT. He's been at the top of the card, but he hasn't really had that main championship. I mean, you could argue, yes, the North American title. That is a big title, but he needs to be NXT champ, in my opinion, and I'd love to see it happen. All right, so let's switch to the big one, the seven-hour show. Uh, WrestleMania, MetLife Stadium. Uh, I keep saying this every year that they do a WrestleMania outside. They're playing with fire, doing it outside. But the forecast, mid-50s, supposed to be clear. So hopefully we're not going to get rained on. That I would hope be... not. I don't want to be cold and rainy. <laughs> no, no, you would be uh, miserable. Uh, let's talk about a couple of the matches. The Intercontinental Championship match, Finn Balor versus Bobby Lashley. We found out on Raw, Finn Balor is coming out as the Demon. How awesome is that going to be? Finally, we get to see that entrance we've been longing to see on the biggest stage of them all. Uh, U.S. Championship Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio. Uh, we'll talk a little more in a moment with Mark Blutman about Samoa Joe. But he's getting a, a championship match at WrestleMania, and we couldn't ask for more than that for him. His first appearance at Mania, which is a big deal. And again, Mark has some thoughts on Samoa Joe's matchup and how really facing Rey Mysterio, in his opinion, doesn't really fit. Uh, a lot of people think that because there was already so much built up between Mysterio and Andrade. But this is the direction they went in instead. 
And I think at least Joe has a really awesome, high-quality, high-tier match on the card, and that's all I really wanted. Yeah, I think that's going to be a great match because Mysterio has turned back the clock. He's looked awesome in the last three or four months, and, of course, Samoa Joe is awesome as well. Uh, Batista versus Triple H. This is going to be funny because you and I will be cheering for different people as we watch this match. I'll be rooting for Triple H, and you'll be rooting for Batista. Yeah, I really, really want Batista to win. It's my boy. What do you want, Batista, to win? Tell me what you want, Batista, to win. <laughs> Triple H to lose. I think more uh, specifically, I want to see if Batista finally can coordinate with the pyro. Because we know there will be pyro at WrestleMania. We'll see if he can actually do the machine gun in coordination with the machine gun pyro. It'll be awesome. People were marking out to hear his entrance just the other night on Raw, uh, and he didn't do anything. He didn't do his little patented pose. No. So when he comes out in full and does everything, I think people are going to really lose their minds. I know I will. I'm going to be so excited to see it live. Well, let's talk about the really, to me, the big three matches Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston. Rafael Esparza has Kofi Kingston as a huge favorite, minus 320. Daniel Bryan, plus 240. I think everybody expects Kofi to win. And I'm going to be disappointed if he's not, because I really want to hear that roar if he wins. I mean, <laughs> if they don't do it, they'll be passing up a once-in-a-lifetime type of opportunity. A moment that we could be looking back on in 20 years. Just like they play classic Stone Cold moments, mm -hmm. classic rock moments, even classic Triple H moments. They still play some of those. We could be seeing a classic Kofi moment 20 years from now if they book this the right way, <laughs> the way they should. But yeah, D Daniel Bryan has been doing a great job as a heel. I've been praising his heel work for the last couple of weeks, and it just keeps getting better. Great promo on SmackDown, and uh, I just really like what they're both doing together. It's interesting you said that because my buddy who intermittently checks in on WWE uh, he, he says to me, wait, Daniel Bryan is a heel. How's that going over? And I said, it was a little clunky to start, but he's really nailed it now because the whole planet earth, uh, protector is really playing into him being a heel. It's a unique way <laughs> to be a heel as well. Very unique. All right. Universal championship match, Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins. Raphael's got Seth Rollins as the favorite at minus 160. Brock, the underdog at plus 120. You said on Raw, after Seth got over on Lesnar, that you think Lesnar's now going to win. I guess because, you know, Seth was so dominant there. Also, I'm going to agree with my friend Aaron from PWP Nation. He doesn't like when a babyface uses low blows and stuff mm -hmm. to get over on the heel. And he says it makes them like, have a harder time rooting for Seth Rollins now. I kind of agree with that mentality. I don't think it looked good on Rollins as a character to do that on Raw, and he was like, yeah, he deserved it, and people cheered. That was his whole reasoning behind doing what he did. But still, it doesn't come off like he's a pure babyface or like he's talented enough to beat him without doing that. Just It just it looks all wrong, in my opinion. Finally, the big one, the Raw Women's Championship match, preceded by uh, Joan Jett playing Ronda Rousey's entrance music, which is going to be awesome. Uh, Raphael's got Becky Lynch, of course, as the favorite at minus 280. Charlotte Flair, 10-1. to 1. And Ronda Rousey at plus 300. I think a lot of people assume Becky Lynch is going to win it. Is Becky Lynch going to win it? Probably. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I know a lot of people will be very excited. I'd be excited no matter who wins. I think it's going to be a great match. I'm just excited that it's the main event and that they're getting the highlight that they deserve. And finally, it's happened after so long. 
So to me, I'm I'm pretty pumped about this. Yeah, winner take all was announced on Raw before they all went into crazy mode and attacking each other and all got arrested. And I'll tell you, as I watched that Raw, I was really worried with them being handicapped or handicapped, handcuffed. That when they were falling down, you know, who knows, somebody could dislocate a shoulder. I was really nervous that they were going to ruin the main event they, by doing something stupid. They were being super physical in those handcuffs. That could have been dangerous, just like you said. I was worried as well. Just all the stuff in the car, it was just seemed really like they were going all out. And I was like, man, anything could happen. Just be careful. <laughs> just preserve the main event of WrestleMania. Preserve it. Well, of course, we're going to do a spare change right after WrestleMania. But now it's time to uh, get to part two of our interview with Mark Bletman. Uh, you had this extended interview with him, and this is part two. And what's he going to talk about here? He's going to talk about what he thinks of the build to WrestleMania and how it's been kind of lackluster in terms of storytelling. And, I mean, who better to comment on the build to WrestleMania than somebody who's written stories for a living, stories of one of the best TV shows and the most fun TV shows that I remember growing up loving, Boy Meets World. So let's hear what Mark Blutman, co-executive producer and writer of Boy Meets World and Girl Meets World, has to say about the build to WrestleMania. When the meets Wrestling. Thank you very much. In fear. Not one of your punk students. I'm the face of death. It's telling about you and how much of a fan you are. So not only did you bring wrestling into your stand-up comedy routine, but you brought it into your TV job, too. So you always found a way to sneak in always? your love yeah. of wrestling, it seems like. And, and you know what it is, Kelsey? What? It's not just a love of the business. It's a respect for the business. It's knowing that whether you like the business or not, it's been around forever, and it continues to endure. And obviously, by the numbers that they do, um, you know, they're entertaining the heck out of people. And, right. uh, and, and so I think there's a place, in, you know, in, uh, in our culture, in our zeitgeist, in our pop culture for it. Years later, when I was doing that show with Jaleel White, called Grown Ups, I brought uh, Triple H on for an episode. How is that? How was working with Triple H? He was, uh, <laughs> uh, he, he did a good job. He was a little uh, little stiff. He was playing a character who was a, a, a film action star. Right. Um, and he, he was a little stiff, uh, but overall he did a good job and we made it work. Um, but yeah, I just think again, like we said, you know, when we first started talking that I love to tell stories, and that's what these guys do. They tell stories. And, um, you know, I respect it. I love it. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because I've been, you know, writing and producing TV and film for a long, long time. And, you know, I'm, I have a lot of friends in the business. Um, and in fact, one of my close friends, and that was the beeping you heard. He was calling, <laughs> calling me. But uh, uh, Justin Roberts, the ex-WWE oh, yeah. announcer. Yeah, he's a dear friend, wonderful guy. And so I know a lot of these guys. And, you know, I say, I'm watching the product right now. Right. And I'm going, you know, certainly, I mean, we could start with WWE. And, you know, the irony is they have two of the brightest minds there in professional wrestling. And, and Paul Heyman and, and Bruce Pritchard. Pritchard's back there now, I'm sure you know. Yes. And these guys are two of the brightest minds. I don't know what else is going on behind the doors, but the product, um, I think it's, 
you know, it's it's nowhere near the level it should be in terms of uh, angles and storytelling, and they've gotten so far away from what made wrestling great yeah. in the 90s and in the 80s. I mean, there used to be such unique characters, and now half the characters, all they're all the same, because they all do the same thing before they leave Gorilla. They put oil in their hair or water. Mm-hmm. They've got long hair. They come out. The hair is covering their face. They walk out like that. Then they snap their head back. The hair flips back, and you can see their menacing face. That's being a heel. That's right. it. Everybody's got, you know, it's like, and nobody, these angles that they're doing, they just make up an angle. So we're on the road to WrestleMania, and they're just creating the angles as they go. There's no real slow build and slow roll. And uh, as a writer-producer, I sit there going, and a fan, of course, I've been a, you know, a fan for 50 years, maybe this is the stage of my career where I, you know, do this for a few years. I make a switch. You know, I'm doing a new show for Apple now that um, comes out in uh, July that's amazing. Um, not allowed to talk about it yet until they... Uh, they announce all their shows the end of March, but, um, you know, I don't know what's, what's next. And I'm like, I would love to do this. I would love to go in and, and, and fix it because it is broken, right. broken in certain places. And I know Vince is back there making these decisions, but, oh my gosh, Kelsey, the, you know, the, the, all the things that used to make it great is not there. And what they do is no different than what I'm really successful at, and that's good storytelling. You know, you mentioned a couple of things. One, respect for what the men and women do in the ring. I have a great respect as well, just like you. Uh, That's why I love wrestling so much. It's just such an impressive feat and something that I really kind of look up to because it's just mind-blowing that they do what they do and they make it look like a dance. They make it look so flawless. Like you said, it's kind of perplexing how... The storytelling isn't on point when you think about the WWE roster right now is more stacked than it's been in a very long time. They've got the the top of the top, the, the cream, essentially. And, you know, as Macho Man used to say, the cream will rise to the top. But the way they're telling the stories, they're not being allowed to rise. You know what I mean? No one really has a chance to shine in the type of storytelling they're doing right now. Right, and I, I really believe half the time... You know, there's a couple of guys at Gorilla, and Vince goes, your face, your heel. And then two weeks later, it changes. And, you know, as as an example, it's like some of these matches, like all of a sudden, you know, it's 14 days or whatever to WrestleMania, or, you know, a few days when this airs, and, you know, half the matches are matches we've seen on Raw and SmackDown for the last six months. Yeah. What's the deal with Kofi facing Brian multiple times, especially this last time in the gauntlet match didn't need to happen? It just is watering down if Kofi is going to get that match, which I hope he does. If he does get that match against Brian, they've already faced a couple of times. And to me, it's like not only are they cooling off Kofi's momentum a little bit um, by kind of making the story overcomplicated a little bit, they're also kind of diluting the in-ring storytelling as well by having them face multiple times. And you could have them square off. You could have them have interactions in the build, but you don't have to have them have all-out matches. So, Kelsey, we have to sit through... Remember, again, the key to the storytelling is, you know, 
roping us as viewers in, and we don't know what's going to happen during this ride. Okay, so we see Kofi doing a gauntlet match. You know he's going to win. He's going over. Right. So how can we enjoy it when we know the result of almost every angle? And, you know, the other thing they're doing now, that's why I know it's not Paul and I know it's not Bruce, uh, because they're too smart. But, you know, they're doing the 50-50 thing. Yeah, I don't like that. You know, Finn wins, Finn loses. Finn wins, Finn loses. You know, he's over, he's not. You know, same with Elias. And then with Elias, who I have like, they add in the fact that he goes back and forth between, you know, face and heel. Yeah. And so you tune in and you're just going, okay, so to, you know, make the comparison on a TV show like Girl Meets World or Boy Meets World, and if, <laughs> if, if we were phoning in the same story every week and the viewer knew how it was going to end, nobody's watching. Right. It's the same thing. So, you know, um, a good friend of mine is this guy, Barry Bloom, who uh, he knows everybody in, in, in the business. He's an agent to uh, guys like Heyman and Goldberg and Jericho and all these different guys. And uh, we had lunch recently, and I was kind of saying, I think it needs, you know, an infusion of somebody different because you want to write and produce for these guys. I go for them, for AEW. Uh, I had lunch with Callis. You know, I'm looking at this stage of my career. I've done everything else, and I've made wrestling as close to my life as I could. Right. You know, being a fan all those years, I went out, did stand-up as a wrestler, and, you know, I've produced episodes with wrestlers on them. And I'm saying, yeah, you know, I, I, I absolutely, I I think I can get myself over in that world pretty quick. Um, and the good thing is with their big deal at Fox, you know, I have relationships with a lot of the Fox executives. So, yeah. you know, I, it, it could be a good thing. But anyway, so the point is, I look at that as one of the things I haven't done in my life yet, but I would like to do because um, I, I don't think the business has ever been more over. You know, you're a huge fan and you probably know all the, you know, the indies, uh, you know, all the different bodies of, you know, independent wrestlers out there. There's probably, I don't know, you know, probably a few hundred. So, there, there are hundreds, you know. yes. There's so many. And right now, not only are there so many, but there's so many kind of secondary tier, bigger ones popping up. I mean, you mentioned AEW. Right. That kind of is a huge jolt into the wrestling world, in my opinion. It's kind of shaking stuff up and making waves. Because I think they're going yeah. to end up getting a big TV deal. So that, and then Ring of Honor is doing better and better. And I love New Japan Pro Wrestling. And they're trying to kind of have a bigger influence in the Western world right now. So all that, to yeah. me, is really positive stuff. But what do you think about the current climate with wrestling? Are, are you excited about all these different promotions? Yeah. I mean, this, Chelsea, it's a great time to be a fan. It's a great time to be a 19-year-old uh, you know, guy or girl sitting at home on your parents' couch going, I'm not sure what I want to do with my life, but you know what? I really dig wrestling. I mean, it's so much easier now to break into the business than it was, you know, years ago in the territory days. So I think it's fantastic for both fans and the athletes um, because there are opportunities 
um, with all these different, you know, federations and, you know, um, so I think it's exciting and I do think, you know, use the word, you know, it's kind of a jolt, you know, with AEW, it, Vince has to pay attention and I know, I, I, I know Levesque is, but they have to up their game. They yeah. just have to because they're letting, you know, too many really talented people are walking away. And, uh, and that's not healthy. Right. You know, I mean, uh, you know, they have the biggest audience. They have more eyeballs on them, but that doesn't mean they can skate. And they're skating. Um, you know, I'm hearing stories that they'll announce uh, a dark main event for a Raw or SmackDown and not deliver it. Yeah. Raw, the card's subject to change. Yeah, okay. You know, I think the climate is wonderful. I think it's exciting. I think Cody and the Bucks, uh, certainly, you know, partnering up with Tony Khan, uh, they have bottomless, you know, pockets of money. Um, but at the end of the day, they got to tell good stories, too. Totally agree with you 100%. And really quick, as we go towards the end of our interview, I'm so thankful for all the time you've spent with me today. It's one of the most fascinating interviews you did. Like, you made my job so much easier. You just gave me all the answers to my questions. Uh, very in-depth and so fascinating. But I want to do a wrestling lightning round with you really quick. Absolutely. All right, so your favorite current wrestler? Um, Samoa Joe, and here's why. I know by giving you a long answer, now I'm killing the lightning <laughs> round aspect okay. of it. But I want to tell you why. Because... His, besides his in-ring work, nobody cuts a better promo. Yeah. And as somebody that knows Joe, he's a friend, he, it, it's not being written for him. That's him. He's one of the smartest men I've ever met. Um, in all facets of, facets of his life, you know, art and television and movies, and he's a gamer, and He's a great father and husband, and those promos are fantastic. They really are, so and he, you can tell they're more genuine than other people on the roster. And he just, if uh, if any of our listeners, you know, our longtime listeners of our show, we talk about Joe all the time. And when he won that U.S. belt recently, I was yeah. jumping up and down. I was shouting Joe. And I had been screaming, not not literally, but I had been saying for a while, Give Joe a belt already. This man's great, yeah. and no one beats him on the mic ever. Yeah, uh, he absolutely, uh, you know, was misused a lot. He also had some injuries, unfortunately. You know, he missed the last two WrestleManias. He, uh, he, he but I think so. He's working Rey Mysterio, and that, that I don't think is a great booking. Yeah. Unless they do something with uh, his kid, Dominique. And, uh, you know, Joe goes after him because every week on SmackDown, Joe is, you know, working on uh, Andrade, who I loved, and Mysterio and R-Truth. I thought they were going to do the Cena angle because R-Truth was, you know, doing Cena's, you know, finishers and all that, talking that it was his hero. So I thought Cena would walk out and defend R-Truth with Joe, and that would be WrestleMania. So to just announce two weeks before WrestleMania, and you're going to be with Mysterio. 
I don't know. It does seem random care. because they did build up Mysterio and Andrade. But I am right. excited because at least Joe's on the Mania card because I think he was injured the last few years and didn't get to be on yeah. the show. So now he finally gets that opportunity, and I can't wait to see him. And not not no, only get to see him, too. but he'll have a belt and be defending it on you know what they say is the biggest stage of them all. So that's that's yeah, really a great. I'm thing. super excited for him, and he deserves it. Uh, Great guy. Okay, I'm not going to, this time on Lightning, I'm going to play by the rules. Okay. Uh, favorite all-time wrestler? All right. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go a couple here. I'm going to go Ric Flair. Okay. But I'm also going to go Adrian Adonis, the late Adrian Adonis. Yeah. That's a good choice. You can't argue with that. And the reason, well, no reasons. Okay, next, sorry. <laughs> we can get into the reasons. Like, I'd love to do a second interview. We could get into the reasons then if you want. Um, <laughs> favorite match, or I guess you could name more than one, but that's such a hard question, I know, but it's always good to kind of find out what kind of matches somebody likes. It says a lot about them, I think. Well, I, I, I have to say that... Uh, there were a couple of guys in the Montreal uh, territory. Uh, back then, it was called Grand Prix Wrestling, and we had uh, uh, we worked. They worked uh, with a lot of Vern Gagne's uh, AWA. So Maurice Mad Dog Bashan, of course, was there. Right. Anyway, so the, the the match was we had these uh, two characters called the Hollywood Blondes, not Tillman and Austin, but the original <laughs> Hollywood Blondes, Jerry Brown. Buddy Roberts, and I believe Buddy Roberts went on to uh, uh, be part of the Freebirds at some point, I believe. But anyway, it was uh, Maurice Mad Dog Vachon and his brother Paul the Butcher Vachon uh, for the belts, fighting the Hollywood Blondes, and uh, it was two out of three falls, and the Hollywood Blondes won. And I will, I am going to keep talking for a second here. Here's the difference between what they did back then and what they do now. So the Hollywood Blondes came out, long blonde hair, sequin jackets, and they kind of, you know, played a little feminine, but not really, kind of gorgeous George kind of thing. Oh, yeah. But here's the thing. Taking their jackets, they would take each other's jackets off. Or when they wore robes, robes, whether it was a short jacket or robe, they would take each other's off. 10, 15 minutes that took. Really? Because they knew how to take it off and then snap it back on. As soon as they got the first boo, they'd snap it back on. And they knew how to work the crowd. And they got heat for right. 10 minutes minimum just taking their jacket and sunglasses off. That's what's missing. Yeah, it's hard to get that type of heat nowadays. In fact, I can hardly think of a anybody really like when Cody was pure heel Cody Rhodes he, he was pretty good at getting heat but but that's a different type of heat but it's also a different time period in wrestling like things have changed so much with you know technology and stuff it's hard to have that of pure of a reaction of now but it's still well, you know you it know, doesn't make it less when, any when less impressive when one it of did the mistakes one of the mistakes they started making Kelsey yeah as case tape started to break in my mind Heels and faces should not come out the same entrance. Right. Your illusion is broken from that moment because that means that they were back there together where they could have killed each other. Exactly. I would go back to separate sides. 
That's a great I would idea. make it so when the run-ins are happening from backstage, the fans are looking left to right. It's a heel. It's coming from the left. It's a, I would do all that because you're, the lines have been too blurred right now. Right. When the spawn meets wrestling, thank you very much. In fear, not one of your punk students. I'm the face of death. So fascinating stuff from Mark Bluntman, and you've got part three coming next week, which is more about the show. Yeah, because we talked a lot about wrestling. In fact, I think we talked more about wrestling than we did Boy Meets World. But I wanted at the end to circle back and really get into some specific questions about the show. And I think some things you guys will find interesting if you grew up liking the show was his thoughts on how Eric, how Eric's character changed throughout the show. He started off really smart and suave, and then he kind of got silly and ridiculous. But Mark explains that, and I love his explanation. I think it's so insightful it made sense to me and i was like wow this totally answers all my questions i had about eric changing so that's a fascinating interview and we'll have part three next week we're looking forward to that we're also looking to wrestlemania weekend and uh we're going to the rev pro show on a friday afternoon in new york city uh ishi zach saber jr and our boy suzuki will be there tanahashi and osprey versus suzuki and saber that ought to be a lot of fun we're looking forward to that as well and uh, plenty of other things to look forward to. And there's a lot that uh, our listeners are looking forward to as well. So I put out the question on my Twitter. What's the number one thing you're looking forward to for WrestleMania week slash weekend? Why? It could be a match, a show, something else that's special. Comment below. And we got tons of comments. I think it was over 40 comments. And a lot of them were unique and very different from each other. So I thought you guys had great responses. So here we go. At BlackmanRobin7, NXT TakeOver New York because of Gargano versus Cole. Then at Psycho Nigiri, the CW title match for sure he's looking forward to. At Old School Pants, just an amazing weekend full of wrestling he's looking forward to. At Kristen Herzog1, a lot of things on the WrestleMania card, but I'm looking forward to seeing some variation of this the most. And she posted a gif of Seth Rollins swinging the title in the air. Like he did at WrestleMania, what was that, 33? 32? Can't remember. Well, I tell you what. 31? I don't remember. I think it was 31. I don't remember which one. (laughs) Um, I'll tell you what I'm most looking forward to uh, is hearing 80,000 people yell, burn it down when he goes to the ring. That's going to be awesome and deafening. Uh, Good guy, Dave. Uh, For me, it's the main event of WrestleMania, an absolute historic match for WWE that could potentially change an entire division if the rumors of a little unification are true, which uh, seems like that's the direction they're going, and that has him excited. At Smart to Death says, Will Ospreay versus Jeff Cobb, which you uh, pointed out as well, you're very much looking forward to. Yeah, and then... At I hate Yanks twenty seven agrees by putting the emojis clap 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 clap. He can't wait for that match either. And I'm also a big fan of that that uh, Twitter handle if that's referring to the Yankees and not Yanks as in Americans. <laughs> I think it is about the Yankees. I'm sure. Uh, at Deej Kirkby, for me, it's the start of at Brain Buster Radio, a collective of amazingly talented people and great friends wrestling-wise. It's the multitude of amazing cards and matches. If you can't find a match or a wrestling event for you over Mania weekend, you aren't a wrestling fan. <laughs> so true. So well said, Deej. At an honorable pod is looking forward to Bloodsport and Josh Barnett versus Minoru Suzuki. That should be crazy and awesome. Please, Suzuki, beat <laughs> Josh Barnett's butt. Please. <laughs> At PCH Nilbog, I want to see Becky and Kofi finally get their belts. That's it. 
at Caden Cien. For me, it's Kofi slash Brian, Cole slash Gargano, Walter slash Dunn that I'm looking forward to the most. I'm also looking forward to seeing the Elias segment at Mania quite a bit. I just hope it doesn't disappoint, so I'm not letting my expectations get too high for that one. Yeah, well, I wish Elias was more than just a... An act. I wish he was wrestling, but I think it is going to be spectacular. At Cow Riot says, I'd be lying if I knew every event that's taking place. I just hope that every wrestler kills it from interviews, merch stands, their matches, etc. To everyone going, have fun and stay safe. I love that. That's such a sweet message. Next one is at Eerie and Peace. Ridiculous amount of pizza I will eat and the guilt that will come after. That's probably a safe bet. Lots of New York-style pizza will be devoured over the next few days. And the guilt will be real for me as well with all the beer and crazy food we'll be eating and drinking. And we won't probably be exercising that much. So, man, the guilt is real. I feel you. You know how much guilt I'm going to feel? None. Zero. Yeah, right. You're going to be missing working out. No, I'll be okay with it having all that delicious pizza and all the other good New York food. I want to try some cool places. That's something that I I forgot about when I've been hyping this to other people, but just trying the food places and seeing New York and New Jersey, which I've never been to well, either if state. If you're going to New York, there's a debate on who the first ever pizza place is. Uh, Lombardi's is actually the oldest, uh, and I can't remember the name of the other place. It's the oldest at its current location, but they're right in the same area. Both have delicious pizza. Are we going to try both? Well, we'll at least try uh, one of them, if not both. We'll we see how much time we have. In contrast, <laughs> I don't know. We might not have time for all that pizza. <laughs> at Dropkick Lee, who does WWE bring in as a surprise? Also, does the G1 Supercard provide as much excitement as it should? That's a good question, but I think it's definitely going to deliver. Don't worry. I agree. At Black underscore Baymax 8, all of TakeOver in New York he's looking forward to. G1 Supercard, AJ versus Orton, and Daniel versus Kofi specifically. Yeah, we didn't mention AJ versus Orton. I think that's going to be a good mid-card match. Uh, uh, Styles, of course, was in the championship match a year ago, so I'm sure he's a little disappointed that he's not in the championship picture, but going against the legend killer should be awesome. At Brian Koval, not going to lie, Bullet Club tailgate party before Mania having out or hanging out is I assume what he means there with cool wrestling fans drinking beer and eating food before we do the WrestleMania marathon, which it is a marathon. Pace yourself. Don't drink too much beer because you got seven hours of wrestling to watch. Gosh, it's going to be so long. <laughs> At Zach Shee 130, meeting you, meaning me, <laughs> and everyone else I hope to meet post G1 Supercard. Hopefully we can meet up with Zach. We are thinking we'll be doing a post-show podcast. We might not be able to after, but maybe some other time. During There's the no weekend. point in me meeting him. He clearly just wants to meet you. I'm sure he means you, too. I don't I know. I, I don't know. Nobody wants to meet me. You're so mean. <laughs> maybe that's because you're too much like, get off my lunch. Yeah. We're like, we don't want to meet Paul. He's such a grump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> At D Smooth 210. This is tough, but I'll say I'm looking forward to Adam Cole versus Johnny Wrestling the most. That could steal the weekend for sure with both guys on their A game. Honorable mention when the WWE Four Horsemen are holding all the belts to close out the show and fireworks going off. Very nicely said. <laughs> At How Are How 1980, the G1 Supercard, because that whole show is so stacked and at MSG, it should be something that feels very special. 
I agree with you 100%. At J. Mel's 1323, Orton versus AJ could be amazing if given the time and allowed to run its course. Potential show stealer. I like that. That's that's an unusual pick there, an unusual comment, but he's right. It could be true. At Cody Collier, 24, women main event in mania. The queen versus the man versus the baddest woman on the planet. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Uh, at Blue Ribbon Pod, Joey Janela's Spring Break, which is going to be a huge show and sold out really quick. In minutes, yeah. really. It's one of the most anticipated shows of the weekend for a lot of people attending, so it should be great. We didn't get tickets, but I, I wouldn't be opposed to rewatching it later if it's no. available streaming, which I'm sure it is. Everything is available now. Uh, at Sir Weaselton. I love that handle. Uh, Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano still don't know who I'll be rooting for. That is a, a lot of people are going to be torn on that for sure. I don't know. Me too. I mean, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to root for Gargano. I think whoever loses will be on raw the next night. And Gargano has already been sort of promoted. So I, I think whoever loses will be on raw. And I think, I think it will be Gargano that loses, but gets promoted. And I hope the rumor of him going to 205 Live is not true, because oh, that would God. be a colossal mistake. Huge mistake. And, yeah, I think you're right. I think it will be Cole who will win. And I think he needs that. He needs to be champ. And, I mean, he'll carry the company really, really far. So I'm looking forward to that. At Muse Lover 86 I'm genuinely worried about the length of the show. I'm tired even thinking about it. <laughs> Uh, at Pater Carnivals, he didn't say anything. He just posted a picture of Becky Lynch holding the Raw Women's Championship. So pretty self-explanatory there. At Smohawk, going to my seventh straight WrestleMania. Very impressive. This will be our third straight. And this will be my fifth overall. And my fourth. Yes. Uh, he says, most importantly, going with his fiance. Oh, that's sweet. For her first time. That should be a lot of fun. I hope they have a blast together. I think she'll love it. It's such a cool and huge spectacle that I think even casual fans would enjoy it. I don't know how anybody couldn't enjoy WrestleMania, except for... The length, really. The That's length the only bad And, thing. you know, look, if you're in the upper deck, you're a long way away from the action. But there's big screens, and it's all about the spectacle. Also, if you have somebody behind you explaining <laughs> everything, like, oh, yeah, the suplex just then, and yes. like literally calling out every yes. move, please don't. Yes. Please don't let's, let's, let us be in front of somebody like that. Uh, Again. Let's pray, pray we don't have the uh, armchair analyst behind us. <laughs> At Body Slam Net, I don't know why, well, because it's going to be awesome, but I'm super stoked for Joey Janela's Spring Break 3. Probably looking forward to that cluster F the most. <laughs> it will be a cluster. Uh, at Real Tony Connors, creative food names at the concession stands. That might be my favorite answer <laughs> of all because they really do come up with unique names a lot of times. Some of them are cheesy and corny, but they're always creative and, and funny. Well, and it's interesting because the concession stands, I had complaints about the last two WrestleManias. They ran out of beer at, at NOLA. And water, and it was a, a cluster, plus they don't have any good craft beer, and they didn't have any good craft beer at Camping World Stadium in Orlando, so... MetLife Stadium, better not be just serving Bud Light or I'm going to be mad. I know you can't get me St. Arnold up in New York, but give me something good. I don't want Bud Light either, so I'm with you there. I agree with you so much. <laughs> at RKO CJ, just being at MetLife Stadium for many hours will be exciting for him. Uh, at AJ Slam 999, Triple H's entrance. Always awesome at WrestleMania. I can't wait to see what he does next. How can he come up with... 
things that top the previous year, year after year after year. It's crazy. It just keeps getting better and better. It's like, how are they going to top it? But they always manage to. I've got a prediction. It just came to me. What? Because it's in the shadow of New York. It's going to be something Batman themed. You think? Like Gotham. I think. I think. How could you be so sure? I'm just come. I'm just. That's my prediction. That would be so random if you were somehow right. I'm just. It's. I don't know anything. I'm just guessing. Okay. It's all just guessing. At Jesse Krakow, Becky Lynch getting a WrestleMania moment that no one ever, ever thought could or would have ever happened. Now, for so many reasons. Uh, at Year of the Violent, Alexa Bliss hosting WrestleMania. Of course, she cannot wrestle, so she is hosting the show. At Festi Valdad, Walter versus Pete Dunne, which is, uh, we didn't mention that, uh, but one of our other listeners said that as well. Should be tremendous at NXT TakeOver. At Red Wings 28, boo, Red Wings, G1 Supercard. <laughs> At Andrew the Carluck, he said this, and he posted a picture of the Wrestling Soup Midnight Podcast WrestleMania Party. Then C. Summers at AXIMIII55 said this, and he posted a picture of the Bullet Club Block Party, which I wish we were going to that. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe we'll have time somehow, yeah. some way. At Rude Strummer, the party at my house, beer, food, and Kofi Mania. Love it. <laughs> um, at Sizzle underscore my sizzle underscore bacon, Walter versus Dunn. At Defend Rest of San, the Hall of Fame ceremony, probably the only awards show I like. <laughs> at Corn underscore Chips, the women main eventing for the first time ever. At Medium Show, meeting people from around the world every single year. And that's true because we've got some people that we've met. This will be the third year in a row that I'm meeting my friend Simon, meeting up with him and our friend Josh. Although we're sad that one of our friends from England couldn't make it. Man, we're going to miss you. <laughs> yep, no Jeff this year. Uh, at uh, That Boy Pat, WrestleMania weekend watch party with the boys. Uh, so shouting out his friends. And our final one, at Bukaman WWE, fans of the world's greatest art form and entertainment medium coming together. It really is a special weekend. You know, in New Orleans, you could really see wrestling fans take over the streets. It'll be interesting to see wrestling fans in Times Square, you know, down in Brooklyn, over in Jersey. It's really spread out, but it's also in a terrific location, and it's going to be a lot of fun. You know what I think is most impressive and, and really a testament to how special wrestling fans are? We had over 40 answers, and most of them were very unique. From one end of the spectrum of what you could be excited about to the other, it had it all, all their responses. So that just tells you how great wrestling fans are and how great it is to talk wrestling with others who have the same passion as us. And by the time you listen to this show, we will already be on the ground in New York City, and we're looking forward to... Uh, bringing you a little taste of the action throughout our social media. So make sure you follow Kelsey at Super Kicking It and follow us at Two-Face Pod because we're going to keep you updated on all the happenings. We'll be taking pictures. It'll be uh, – we need external chargers because we're going to be busy <laughs> with our phones. Very, very, very much so we need those chargers. But when we come back, we resume an extended discussion we started a year ago as we take stock of wrestlers throughout all of our favorite promotions and look back at some of our choices from a year ago. 
And in our closing out the show, Kelsey and I will look back at the piece John Oliver did on last week tonight about WWE stars' status as independent contractors and how AEW could factor in that. St. Arnold Brewing Company, located in Houston, is Texas' oldest craft brewery. Their goal is to brew world-class beers and deliver them to their customers as fresh as possible, making them the best beers in Texas and Louisiana. Their customers are beer lovers, people that appreciate great full-flavored beers. So whether you're enjoying an art car IPA or a smooth-drinking lawnmower, look for St. Arnold beers throughout Louisiana and Texas. Our Two-Faced Wrestling Talk logo was inspired by Two-Face, the Batman animated series character, and his coin. The logo was designed by the talented and creative artist Eric Hudson. Eric creates wrestling-themed pieces as well as other pop culture art. He is also currently working on a Roddy Piper comic book. You can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dreaded Dinosaur. You can also support his work by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash dreaded dinosaur. Please check out his work. And now back to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. Just like every coin has two sides, so does every wrestling discussion. It's time for Heads and Tails. And Kelsey, we did this a year ago. It's kind of a fun thing. We mentioned it last year. WrestleMania, of course, is the Super Bowl of wrestling. And now every wrestling promotion, for the most part, has a part of WrestleMania weekend. And so we get a chance to look at all of the stars. And we did this a year ago, and we're not going to replay the whole segment, obviously. But we're going to play two key segments that we thought are pretty interesting because we had interesting takes on the women's evolution and the Young Bucks, so give that a listen. Well, another one that's on the rise, and you might be surprised that we think this way because the Young Bucks had one of the best matches of the year last year, the main event against uh, the Hardys in Super Card of Honor, but their stock is still rising, which is kind of incredible. <laughs> <laughs> My boys, and I don't, you know, just mean their stock's rising in wrestling, but financially. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Hot Topic merch deal. It's really unheard of that independent wrestlers have their shirts featured in a national chain store. And their shirts are outselling not only WWE merch in there, but apparently it's some of the top-selling shirts out of all the shirts in Hot Topic. That, to me, is incredible. Being the Elite is getting more mainstream press than ever before. you got guys like Cody, Skrull. Hangman Page, all these guys getting over because of this YouTube show, which the Young Bucks, it's their brainchild. So to me, yeah, being the elite has risen. Financially, the Young Bucks are doing better than even last year. And everyone's talking about the storylines on being the elite. I just feel like all this combined, the Young Bucks, believe it or not, are on the rise and they will continue to be on the rise with All In on the Horizon because that's something that's never been done before. It's unique. It's it's revolutionary. It's going to change the business in my mind for independent wrestlers. It's going to change the game. And I think it's going to be competition for WWE eventually. I will agree with you 100% on all that. The only thing I'm going to say they've maybe fallen their stock a little is in-ring. I mean, if you look at the match at Supercard of Honor, which is going to be a great match, but it's not as big a match as that Hardy's match was, which be hard to match up to, but... Um, so you're saying like their place on the card? 
Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It just feels like they've taken a few more losses. Maybe it's because we just watched them lose. I don't know. Well, I'm not basing this on wins and losses alone. Yeah, I know. And that's they're what I'm saying. They're still very valued by companies. Yeah. And that's even more important than wins and losses. And, th yeah, they win belts and then they lose them. And that's going to happen to every wrestler, you know, on in every promotion. But the Bucks are consistently booked at the top of cards, whether it's the main event or not. Now, yeah, Supercard of Honor, their match isn't as big as last year. But that's because you got Kenny versus Cody, which nothing's going to come close to that. The Young Bucks just headlined that New Japan American Strong Style Evolve show like we talked about. And everyone's talking about it. And in-ring, their selling apparently has gotten better. I always thought they were great in the ring, but people who always doubted them are kind of giving them props now. So in that way, I think in ring, their stock has risen a bit, but I do see your point. Well, we got one more on the rise, and it's not a wrestler per se, but the women's division as a whole, and maybe this is the biggest riser of everything other than maybe Braun, in my opinion. The level that the women's division has gone in the last year is unbelievable. When you think there's been Royal Rumble, Elimination Chamber, Hell in a Cell, Iron Man match. Um, it's it's incredible what's going on in the women's division, and the women are becoming as big a stars as the men. And that's the way it should be. They're more respected. They're main eventing like it should be. And I love to see that. It's great. It, and it's how it should have been a long time ago. But you've got a really great crop of talent Really great women's wrestlers right now. Charlotte, Asuka is so over. I mentioned this a few weeks ago when she came out after that Ruby Riot Charlotte match. The crowd went insane. They were so loud. It's great to feel that feeling that a woman is so over with everyone in the crowd. Whereas you, you look back at the last time Mania was in New Orleans, during the women's match, everyone went to the concession stand. And that was because it was after the Undertaker loss, of course, everyone was bummed out. But even so, they considered the women's matches the bathroom break, the concession time. And it's so great to see how it's changed now, that it's taken seriously. People stay in their seats for the women's matches. Well, and look, I, I think even last year's WrestleMania, the women's matches weren't nearly at the level of any of the matches we've seen over the course of the year. Um, you know, because they, again, tried to cram too many people into the matches and Multi stuff. Multi-women matches. Yeah, so uh, I think even since last WrestleMania, the women's division has taken off in a, in a good way, in a great way, and we've got great women's matches coming at Mania. And see, I kind of knew that the Young Bucks would succeed in their venture, and maybe that bigger things were on the horizon for them, and turns out, bigger things were on the horizon. We're seeing it play out now. Well, some other people we talked about that we're just going to quickly go through from last year. Braun, last year we said he rose. I feel like he's taken a step back. I mean, he's... Oh, big time. He's, he's, we looked, it looked like he was going to maybe beat Brock Lesnar for the title. Now he's back in the Rumble. He's focusing his attention. Like Kane on Pete Rose, he's focusing his attention on Colin Jost and Michael Che. Last year, emphatically, we said that Elias was on the rise. Now I feel like he's definitely fallen because you know he hasn't wrestled a lot and they've kind of squashed him a couple of times his comedy's been on point his segments are great it's not that it's just you know his place on the card really hasn't hasn't gone up uh, last year we said the usos were on the rise 
they are the champs, but it, I think it's more they're more a uh, a victim of the tag team division that we say week after week it feels like they need to just unify the belts and have one belt because there is enough talent to go around for one belt, but not for two. Right, I agree. Then Suzuki, you know, <laughs> one of my favorites ever. We said last year he was on the rise because he had great performances throughout 2018. But I feel like since then, after WrestleMania week, he kind of has gone downhill a bit. And I only say that because he doesn't have an official spot on G1 Supercard. He doesn't have a belt right now. He was on the pre-show for Wrestle Kingdom. And, you know, he didn't like that. And I didn't like that either. Considering if you rewind a year before this past Wrestle Kingdom to Wrestle Kingdom 12, he had one of the best matches that kind of stole the show. His match against Goto, the hair versus hair match that I love. And it was actually very emotional, and I was really invested in it. I think a lot of people were surprised that they liked that match so much. So we go from that to this, to where he doesn't really have a belt, he doesn't really have a main spot on this G1 Supercard. Last year we said Okada was on the rise. I think you have to say he's... A little down because he doesn't have the belt anymore, but he's in the main event at G1 Supercard. He's on his so, way back up, I think. So I, I, I would almost say he's even with what he is was last year. Last year we had two guys static, Cesaro and Sami Zayn. I think both, you'd have to say, are down. I have to say for sure Sami Zayn has fallen. Not only because of injury, but because it's seeming less and less likely that he'll ever get a title shot. Like, Definitely not a world title shot, but probably not even a secondary title shot, which really makes me sad because he's in my top five faves list of favorite wrestlers. And so to see him not get the push he deserves is a bummer, but we could see him at Mania. He could be a surprise. He could be in that rumble, although I think it probably would be more impactful on Raw or SmackDown if his music hits and he'll get a huge pop. Totally agree. I'd rather that because... You know the the rumble doesn't seem to have a lot of high caliber. Well, and there's there's it. no real intro. Yeah, you know, like there's no entrance music. Like there's one or two entrance musics, but for the most part, everybody just comes down to the ring. Exactly. So, so that would be kind of a lackluster return. Uh, last year we had Rusev falling. Well, I can't say he's gotten any higher. So he's <laughs> static now from what we said last year because. Really, he's not doing anything prominent. Ty Dillinger, we said that he he was falling because he wasn't being used. Now he's not even with the company anymore. Adam Cole, we said, had fallen, but obviously his stock is on the way up. Well, we didn't even explain that because people might be saying, what? They say Adam Cole fell this time last year? He was doing great in NXT from the moment he debuted. So at no point was he not doing well there. It's just that we were comparing how he had had, the year before that, a great match against Marty Skrull at Supercard of Honor. And it was a very prominent match, although it kind of opened the show. People were super excited about it, and his place on the card there in Ring of Honor was pretty high. So at that point, we were unsure of where he would go in NXT, although he was he was received very well, but we just didn't know how it would be. So I definitely think he's risen. Yeah, because, uh, you know, he he was a major part of the... Uh, the uh being the elite storyline and things like that. So uh, I think we even said it was a slight fall. It was almost semantics. Definitely on his way up, and especially if he can walk out of uh, Barclays Center on Friday night with the NXT Championship. So let's turn our attention to this year and uh, some new names. 
yeah, we've got a lot of new names here, and some of them we'll just go through quickly. Won't We won't give much explanation because it's kind of self-explanatory. Others we'll elaborate on a little bit. So I put my first name on there, Brian Pillman Jr. I think he's wrestling a lot more. He's getting over. People are learning his name, which they should know his name because his father, Brian Pillman, was one of the best promo guys, one of the best characters ever in all of wrestling. So I think he's getting over more and more. Can't wait to see what his future holds. Bandito, you mentioned him. He's a great addition to Ring of Honor's roster. It's awesome. And he could really have a wonderful 2019 in store. Uh, MJF uh, going to AEW. We uh, saw him, I guess, a year and a half ago. Didn't know who he was when we went to Wrestle Circus in Austin, Texas. Since then, he's... Definitely on his way up. I think being a part of All In was really kind of the catalyst for that. And so since then, it's just he's been getting more and more popular, more and more well-known, and rising. His stock has definitely gone up. Then we've got Jimmy Havoc, another person who, not that he wasn't around. He's been around for so long, and he's been a favorite of mine for a while. But I feel like he's he's all over right now. He's popping up everywhere in every promotion. And joining AEW, I think, it just means his stock is on the rise, even more so than it was before. Will Ospreay just keeps going up. I mean, his st- I mean, the arrow is pointed straight up with Osprey. Never open weight champion. Going to have a great match at at uh, G1 Supercard against Jeff Cobb. Beloved, people love him. He's transformed his wrestling ability. You know, the, we we saw it at New Japan Cup with the Stormbreaker on Lance Archer. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> also, he's given new meaning to the Never Open Weight Championship belt. He really has made that title mean something that it hasn't meant in a long time. And they've called him an aerial assassin for a reason. He just keeps going up, 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 aerial. <laughs> <laughs> what about his opponent? His opponent, Jeff Cobb. I mean, geez. PWG, he was shining there. He was shining everywhere he wrestled. But now that he's joined Ring of Honor and they've put a belt on him, you know, the sky's the limit for this guy. Such an impressive athlete. We knew about him before, but I think this has been a great year for him so far, and I think it's just going to get better. These these next two, I think, are almost to the Will Ospreay level, not quite with their, their rise. And they've been around a while, but Impact, really, their matches against LAX, uh, they're everywhere. I mean, they're literally everywhere. The they really are. The they Lucha Brothers all over the place. Yeah, it seems like every show we watch, the Lucha Brothers are on it. They are set for a collision course with the Young Bucks at Double or Nothing. Their stock is way up, and Phoenix may be one of my favorite wrestlers. He's incredible. He is incredible, and don't forget that Bucks. Lucha Brothers match has happened in PWG, one of my favorite promotions. So if you guys are interested, check out that match. You can't really overstate how successful they've been this past year. Then we move on to some people who have wound up in NXT. Riddle, Keith Lee, both. You can't argue with them being on the rise. However, Keith Lee is rumored to be injured, so I'm saying he's probably going to have a little bit of a fall. Yeah, but he he is wildly popular. Uh, at some point, we're going to... If he, we get that match against Dijak, we've done all sorts of research on them in PWG and mm-hmm. the great matches they've had, so... Uh, Keith Lee, we love him. We saw him last year at this time at, at winning the title against Chucky e. T at Time as a Flat Circle. Uh, in that was PWG, a PWG, yep. Where Keith Lee nearly took you out by the bar. That was so amazing. <laughs> that was one of my favorite shows ever. Um, I'm wishing Keith Lee a speedy recovery for sure. Then some other people, you know, Yoshihashi. That might be a controversial choice to say his stock has risen, but it has. Came back from injury with a splash. 
with a little bit of a new attitude and on Sleepy Yoshihashi. I still say he looks sleepy to me. Uh, the Bucks and Cody, obviously, we're not seeing them wrestle. So from a wrestling perspective, you know, they're not rising. But obviously, for what they're doing for the business, way up. Oh, yeah, gosh, you can't say it enough. And as you saw, I kind of predicted that, as I said in my comment last year. I just think it's so cool how they're evolving and revolutionizing the biz. And we're going to talk a little bit more about them in our closing out the set show as well. Having to do with them, Sammy Guevara is also on the rise because of his involvement with AEW. And just his social media presence is really high as well. So I think he's had a great year and it will only get better for him. Uh, Hangman Adam Page, I think he's going to be a huge part of AEW. He could be the first title holder, or it could be his opponent, Pac, who really last year wasn't doing much, and uh, after his release from WWE, he's made a splash on the non-WWE scene, and I'm really happy to see that. Of course, SCU having the really successful year they had in Ring of Honor, and then leaving with their AEW brothers to start that new venture. I think that should be very successful for them, and they'll be a very valued part of the roster. Then some other random people, Tai Chi, to kind of go with the Yoshihashi. I hate saying this. It sucks to say it, but Tai Chi is on the rise. He's showing a new attitude, much like Yoshihashi, and it's, uh, it's doing well for his character. And then other rise... Obvious ones, Kofi, Becky Lynch. The Kofi one is just fascinating to me. Again, four months ago, there's no way that WWE was thinking that Kofi was going to be in their championship match for the WWE title. So his rise and the love of the fans is evident. Unexpected, but welcomed, for sure. And then we go on with some more people. Matt Taven. He's had a killer year. Say what you will if you don't like his wrestling. His character work is second to none. He just has such a strong presence in the ring in terms of character work. And his match against Lethal and Skrull, I'm really looking forward to. And his past match against Lethal at the 17th anniversary show was flipping amazing. A lot of people didn't like it. I loved it. And, of course, Jay Lethal, his opponent, steady, steady. Uh, but, you know, to me, still going up in popularity at G1 Supercard. They mentioned his between his two title reigns, over 700 days of title reigns for him. So he's been incredible. And uh, obviously he's going to be amped for MSG. And Samoa Joe finally has a title. So, but... so he's on the rise. And I think, I mean, I think... Despite what you and Mark Butman said, I think the Rey Mysterio match actually is going to be tremendous. It could be good. I, I, I really love both the performers in the match. I just think, you know, the story isn't as strong there. That's all. I'm not saying it won't be good. But what I think is questionable about Joe being on the rise is that he's been booked to lose a lot. And I don't like that. I just hope he retains at Mania because then I can really feel confident in my choice of him being on the rise because otherwise, obviously, he'd be falling. And I love that he's a belt. I love that he's finally on the WrestleMania card. Props to Joe. On our Fallen, we've already talked about Suzuki and Sami Zayn. Michael Elgin is interesting because uh, it came out this week that he's leaving New Japan. So uh, he's kind of fallen. And where will he end up is going to be an interesting topic of discussion. Uh, Kevin Owens, fallen because of the injuries and you know maybe not as prominent in the storyline so far since he came back. And I don't know what his role is going to be at WrestleMania, if at all. So... Uh, I got to say he's fallen right now. 
a little bit, and I'm just not a big fan of the babyface-ish Kevin Owens. I'm more like the pure heel Kevin Owens. Absolutely. Uh, we've got some interesting ones Kenny Omega, we put a question mark. We didn't know really whether to say if he's fallen or not, but if you go backwards a year, he had some of the greatest matches ever against Okada and against a lot of people, really. Very prominent winning streak, great performances, many of them in a row. So now he's not wrestling very much. Paired with Ibushi over the course of last year, that was phenomenal, well-received. And then... He's just done it in New Japan, which we, we talked about was weird. They didn't have a goodbye, which leads me to believe at some point he will, but he's basically just dropped off the face of the earth. <laughs> Clarify that. Sometime he will come back, you're saying? I think he will. To New Japan. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe they're leaving the door open. That's why they didn't have an official goodbye, because you could say, oh, they don't want to promote that he's leaving for another company. But they didn't do that with AJ Styles. However, maybe it's a little more sensitive because it's AEW. Or like... Like, we're speculating. Maybe there's something more to all this. I don't know. Uh, another obvious one, Asuka, Alexa Bliss. But here's another one that's kind of iffy. We're going to say Ishii has fallen. And you might be asking yourselves, why, guys? Why are you saying Ishii's fallen after his great performance in the J New Japan Cup tournament? Well, yes, he had some of the best performances, but he's still not booked officially on the G1 Supercard card in a prominent match. And to me, that means he's kind of fallen. He was booked really high up on some cards, and the past year, he really hasn't been booked very high up on cards. And also, we saw during WrestleMania last year, him beat Zack Sabre Jr. for the Rev Pro title. So, of course, since then, he's lost it, and now, you know, he doesn't have a belt. Uh, now some static folks we've already hit on a couple of these but uh how about gargano kind of static he's kind of in the main event again at nxt takeover you could argue that he's in position to finally win the title so in that regard he's up a little maybe but really kind of static i think people are gonna balk that we're saying he's static but what we mean is like you know he hasn't really fallen of course but he hasn't won a title again recently so to me he's kind of just the same place he's been yeah i mean he won the north american title but then turned around and dropped it almost immediately exactly so. which i found very odd um charlotte static yeah i mean yes she's in the main events so you can argue no 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 she's risen but you know in terms of getting over with the crowd she's not over right now she's really a total heel but i like her heel work so i don't know um i feel like people just kind of underappreciate her right now and so to me she's kind of static this one is interesting uh, for a couple of reasons. Ronda Rousey, she's certainly fallen in popularity with the crowd. You know, the crowd is not with her at all. You could say she's higher in that, you know, she's now the champion and she's headlining the main event of WrestleMania. So in that regard, she's up to counter her <laughs> fall in popularity. I would kind of argue she's also up in the regards of She's gotten better and better as a wrestler. So you you could go a lot of di different directions. You could say stay the same, up in some regards, down in others. So that's why we put her in the static category for now. Uh, we mentioned AJ Styles earlier that he's not in the championship match, but he's still got a really good match against Randy Orton. And some people think that it could steal the show. Right. So if we... that happens and he's on the rise instead of being static. And then we put originally a few days ago, we put Juice as being on the verge of rising, but still static. And I guess I'm going to stay with that statement. Although his announcement of facing Bully at G1 Supercard kind of makes him, you know, a little more 
prominent and his stock a little higher, I think, but still I would say static overall until he has some more big wins under his belt and has a more successful run with the U.S. Championship. I think we have to keep calling him static, but I have a feeling that'll change very soon. Well, that's the stock report, and we'll do it again a year from now, but uh, we love kind of doing that segment because it's fun to talk about. But now it's time to close out the show and send them home. Kelsey, uh, a little different because we're both going to weigh in on this closing out the show, but we had to talk about this. Last week tonight with John Oliver had a 20-plus minute segment on the WWE and their wrestlers being independent contractors. And, you know, I thought, like most, most things John Oliver does, very well researched. He is tremendously funny. I mean, it's one of my favorite shows on TV uh, you hear me laughing. You don't laugh quite as much, but I, I, I'm in tears sometimes watching his show. It's so well done. Uh, and I thought this segment was pretty well done, but there, you know, there are a couple holes we can poke in it. People have been asking me to weigh in on this segment, and at first, the only clip I was seeing make the rounds on social media, of course, was the Roman Reigns joke about looking like a pedophile. And people only latched onto that instead of latching onto the really great point that John Oliver was trying to make with that wrestlers should be supported by the company and they shouldn't be independent contractors because it does not make sense that they are. It doesn't match what is defined as an independent contractor by the IRS. It doesn't make sense at all. So that was the main point, but people just kept talking about the Roman Reigns thing. So when I fully watched the segment, I was like, wow, this is a great segment. But this is my first initial thought. I really love some parts of it, and every criticism about the independent contractor status is so true. Unfortunately, the only part anyone will take away is what he said about Reigns. I strongly agree with his main point, though. WWE needs to take care of their wrestlers. They deserve that. I hope people can see that's what he was trying to say instead of only focusing slash retweeting his Reigns comment. He's a comedian. Take the jokes with a grain of salt. His main point was solid. Then I also said, if you wanted the segment to connect with fans, maybe someone should have researched current Reigns a little bit more. I didn't have a problem with all the jokes, though. Laughed a lot. My biggest problem, though, was the use of old interview clips and old video clips and interviews taken out of context. But I felt like they made up for the old clips by including a more recent clip from 2015 of Jake the Snake Roberts to show how wrestlers still have to struggle today instead of only just using the super old interviews. Also good that he mentioned that technically they've tried to improve by having a wellness program, but he still contested that how how well that actually works. Uh, and also I said that's still not enough. They need to go all the way and support the wrestlers. Well, I mean, I agree on the the old clip, but at least, I mean... If you're watching it, it did say the clip was from 1998. It was supered on there. Um, I know. It just is taken out of context. And for casual fans, it's like painting it a certain way. That's my only qualm. But you're right. It had the dates. Yeah, it does. Uh, I think the the one that I thought was the best was Jesse the Body Ventura's uh, comments on the Howard Stern show. Because, he, I mean, he nailed it dead on. Now, granted, he had an ulterior motive. He was trying to use an, unionize wrestlers. But he said the definition of an independent contractor is you can accept any job. Well, you sign a contract with WWE, so you're not really an independent contractor, so you should be treated as an employee. 
Or if you're an independent contractor, you should be able to wrestle wherever you want. So I thought that was one of the best points. It was. Now, the thing about Roman Reigns, look, I get, you know, what Roman Reigns just went through. I understand all that. He didn't make fun of cancer. He didn't say he was a pedophile. He said he looked like a pedophile. It was a joke. People have got to lighten up a little bit. I mean, take what he said with a grain of salt. He's a comedian, and he didn't accuse him of anything. He was just trying to be funny. So one of my future episodes of Kelsey Likes is about Seinfeld. And if you recall, of course, Seinfeld touched on so many controversial things. They touched on making fun of cancer. They touched on making fun of death. I mean, heck, that's what comedy does sometimes. It kind of hits people the wrong way, but it's all just a joke. Seinfeld did way worse than this joke. Family Guy. I mean, How, yes. What does Family Guy do? That's, I mean, Family Guy, what, because it's animated? It's, it's not, I mean, it's still some of the stuff they say on Family Guy makes you cringe, but it's humor. You know, I, it's not a personal attack. I think that's... I think that's the thing we've got to differentiate. And I don't want to go on a whole other tangent, but if it's a personal attack, it's one thing. If it's a joke and it's not even an attacking joke, you know, I, I, I thought people were latching onto the wrong thing. And I'm getting sidetracked because this was such a well thought out humorous piece, you know, and John Oliver kept stating throughout that he loved wrestling. He kept showing clips of Vince getting hit. He showed, you know, Mick Foley going through the, the table on fire and saying that was the great, what TV show has that? Yeah. He goes, even our show it should be called We Don't Have a Guy Going Through a Flaming Table. You know? Yeah. Um, I think one of the comments on Twitter that encapsulated what this segment did the best was Jim Cornette. He said, well, after a complete viewing of the segment, this is the absolute most truthful outside media piece I've seen on wrestling in over 40 years. I don't usually agree with Jim Cornette, <laughs> but I do agree there, and that's such a powerful statement that he made to prove that this segment is actually a good thing. Well, and there's plenty of other people talking about it, and uh, a couple of them are with AEW, so I think you ought to read those because those are interesting because AEW has made a point of of saying that they're going to have health insurance for the wrestlers. Yes, and like again, that could be a huge thing for wrestlers wanting to leave WWE and go to AEW because you got to take care of your employees or whatever, your independent contractors in terms of WWE's case. But Hangman Page said, Last week, tonight, piece shined a light on just how little power wrestlers have had over their terms of, quote, employment in an industry with little to no competition or regulation. Sobering reminder that you can be our biggest advocates with how you spend your money and time. Then he followed it up by saying, and to clarify, I'm not trying to encourage this company's bad, this company's good, mudslinging or nitpicking, just encouraging folks to support alternatives since the competition for your interests will create positive outcomes for wrestlers across the board. So well spoken. That statement is so well said, and it really makes a lot of sense. And then Joey Janela weighed in. If John Oliver wants a full wrestling experience, he should come to spring break and watch a bunch of wrestlers already in debt with no health insurance kill themselves for a hot dog and a handshake and some Twitter fame. I love Joey Janela. <laughs> he always has funny things to say. But, you know, the most surprising response was WWE, who issued a statement, of course, and they said, 
John Oliver is clearly a clever and humorous entertainer. However, the subject matter covered in his WWE segment is no laughing matter. Prior to airing, WWE responded to his producers refuting every point in his one-sided presentation. John Oliver simply ignored the facts. The health and wellness of our performers is the single most important aspect of our business, and we have a comprehensive, long-standing talent wellness program. We invite John Oliver to attend WrestleMania this Sunday to learn more about our company. Well, that's going to be kind of hard for John to do since he has a show that airs Sunday night, so it'll be kind of hard for him to show up. But I was surprised, and I did say this to you even before this WWE statement. Usually in these pieces, he does say something along the lines of, we reached out to this company, they refused comment. I was surprised that wasn't in the piece, so I was a little surprised by that. I'm sure because w- he couldn't say that technically if they reached out to him. Right, right. So, and I'm sure WWE is probably overstating how much they could refute on it or whatever. But uh, it is a little surprising, and I said that right after I watched it that that he hadn't even said, "Hey, we tried to reach out to them." Whatever. Yeah, that's that's unusual for him. But you know, I think one of the funniest comments that came out of the whole situation, the whole segment, was, you know, they made a whole big reference to CM Punk accidentally <laughs> going to the bathroom during a match because he was given too many Z-Packs because he was having medical issues. So they used that as a point of reference to how the wellness program wasn't that good back when CM Punk was there. So they referenced a tweet CM Punk had tweeted out but had to take down because he was still employed by wwe at the time he said i crapped my britches please retweet so he had to delete it back then john oliver kept talking about how it was the greatest tweet ever what did he say (laughs) he did say he said there he said in the history of twitter think is there a better tweet no you can't think anything (laughs) there's nothing nothing that's better so then it's funny cm punk actually commented on this after and he said the same thing he, he repeated the tweet i crap my britches please retweet last week tonight i love you i am john oliver so he was <laughs> tweeting at john oliver essentially right. saying he loved him and he loved the show it was uh really 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 well done i i didn't know what to expect because you know john oliver when he he did the comment about the uh the uh, crown jewel event he didn't sound as educated about he wrestling. He didn't. This was completely different. I thought he came across as somebody who actually has interest in wrestling. And this piece, like everything they do is so well researched. I thought it was really well done. I thought it was well researched, but I don't really buy that he's a fan. <laughs> I could be wrong. I'll I'll eat my words if I am wrong, but I don't think he's a true fan. Like you said, that first Saudi Arabia piece, I think he... He really came off like he he was kind of ignorant in some ways of, to wrestling. I will say one of the other things that was a really telling comment is he talked about he compared it to other sports organizations and the NFL. Oh yeah, that was a had a powerful better statement. better history. And he said when, when and not in so many words, I, I'm paraphrasing, but he said when the NFL is kind of putting you to shame, you've got a problem, kind of thing. Yeah, because obviously the NFL took a long time to embrace concussions and has had a bad history in that regard in treating or taking care of their former players. Well, actually, that concussion movie that the NFL was so worried about with Will Smith, WWE has a history in that story too, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't really highlighted in that movie. But 
I think they were probably afraid that they would, too would be mentioned <laughs> in the movie because they were a part of the real-life story. They were. Yes. They were. So it's kind of telling to see all the things that John Oliver was talking about. I think it was great. It's nothing new. A lot of people have said this for a long time. This has been a problem for a really, really long time. But it brought it to a really big, really big audience to me. It got mainstream press. So I think that is something positive that came out of this segment. And I agree with everything he said. I even agree with his Saudi Arabia comments. I didn't mean that he sounded ignorant about right. his his point he was making, just that he didn't seem like he know, knew wrestling. Now I think he seems like he knows it a little bit more, but I just don't think he does. <laughs> uh, regardless, the segment was great, and I agree with the main point 100%. All right, well, we've had a lot to talk about in this show, and so we're going to wrap things up, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, gosh. As we get ready to hop on a plane, we recorded this show on Wednesday. We're headed uh, to New York by the time you... Watch this or listen to this. We will have already been to the WrestleCon Super Show. We will be getting ready to go to the Rev Pro Show. We know we're going to G1 Supercar. We know we're going to WrestleMania. We may or may not go to NXT TakeOver. We don't know. I'm putting you on the spot. What's the number? You asked everybody else this at the end of the first segment. What's the number one thing you're looking forward to WrestleMania weekend? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, I think the number one thing is going to Madison Square Garden for G1 Supercard. I am a huge fan of Ring of Honor and, of course, of New Japan Pro Wrestling. But I'm really behind both companies, and I want to see them succeed. And I think this show is a huge deal. The importance, really, you can't say enough how important it really is for the companies. And, I don't know, just being in that building, I think, will be very special. And it'll be my first time there in general. And what a great first time to go and experience that building for a show like that stacked it's gonna be insane but if you had a you know if you made me pick one match from that card oh geez um at first earlier i was saying osprey and Cobb. i'm still looking forward to that but i guess i would have to say the tag match because i love the briscoes so much so i guess i'm looking forward to that match the most i sort of agree with you on the one thing I think overall the G1 Supercard I'm so looking forward to because of the history, because of being at Madison Square Garden, because it's a great card. If I have to pick one match, i got to pick the one that's making history, the all-women's uh, main event, main eventing WrestleMania for the first time. I can't believe Vince is letting it happen. <laughs> just, I'm, st I, I'm still waiting for the beginning of the show when he's going to turn and make Brock Lesnar, the main event or something. That's, oh, my God. <laughs> no, I really... He'd be the true biggest heel <laughs> of all time. So, no, that I mean, look, I'm looking forward to them making history. I, I like what our one listener said. Hopefully everybody performs their best, gets out of the shows injury-free throughout all the promotions because it's such a special weekend. It really is, and it's jam-packed with wrestling. So we thank you guys for taking the time to listen to us or view us on this crazy jam-packed weekend and week full of wrestling. We really appreciate that we're part of that week for you. So thanks so much for your time, as always. Hope to see you here next week or have you listen to us next week. And make sure you follow our social media so you get all our uh, recaps of all the shows we go to. Hopefully... Take over maybe one of those. We'll see. <laughs> Regardless, we'll, we'll have some sort of reaction to that show, I'm sure. And live podcast after G1 Supercard. I 
think you're leaning towards wanting to go to NXT TakeOver. Well, of course I want to go. You were saying the reasons not to go. Now you're kind of saying like, oh. I I don't know if I want to plunk down 400 bucks when I've already paid over $600 for WrestleMania. It's insane, I know. (laughs) We're going to be broke up. But anyways, thanks for joining us. Thank you guys so much. (laughs) Hope you enjoy WrestleMania week. I know we will. Yes. That's it for us. That's the finish. (laughs) 